We are going to be in Romans chapter 12. invite you to turn there. We are also going to be flipping to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you're ever looking for the spiritual gifts, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, right side by side, chapter 12 in both of those. Just prior to the church's 25th anniversary, I had the honor to preach and exhort us all toward the importance of evangelism in the life of the church. The two times I preached before that, I preached out of Romans chapter 12 and Romans chapter 13, and I didn't take them in order. I started like most of the way through Romans 12, preached Romans, the end of Romans 12, which deals with how are believers supposed to react and interrelate with unbelievers in a lost and dying world. The next sermon I preach, Romans 13, how are Christians supposed to relate to the government? What if it's a good government? What if it's a bad government? What is my responsibility as a Christian and as a citizen with regard to government? Both of those sermons are online if you want to go back and listen to them. I think Romans 13, 1 through 7, especially in this political time, is a great passage to meditate on as we go forward in an election season. Today, I'm going to begin the first of two messages on how we are supposed to work together in the church. How do believers work together with other believers. We're all still encumbered by sin, and so sometimes our elbows will strike one another. That will be the next message. Today we're going to look at the marvelous and the mysterious way that God has chosen to assemble His church. He does this through a gifting of the Holy Spirit to each believer for the good of the church and thereby for the glory of God. When we talk about spiritual gifting on one hand, you're going to get Reformed conservatives, Bible-wielding believers who get skittish about talking about spiritual gifts because they think we're going to start speaking in tongues and laying on the floor and jumping pews and going all Pentecostal. Okay, Then you get... On the other hand, you get believers who you bring up spiritual gifts and they go, what? Spiritual what? Gifts? What do you mean? Like presents? I don't understand. But God's word speaks plainly about spiritual gifts and he speaks about them in relationship to how he has created the church. And so it's important for believers to understand this. It is a real thing we are people saved by grace the church is a people saved by grace through the blood of christ and indwelt by the holy spirit aw tozer said 100 religious persons knit into a unity by careful organization do not constitute a church any more than 11 dead men make a football team It's not just that, hey, we want to be a church, so we're going to be a church. 
That is a complete misunderstanding. Just because you're religious doesn't make it a church. It's important also to note that the church is uh, made up of people who are not divinely inspired. I am not a divinely inspired man. I am not an inerrant man. God's word is both of those. We are all people with a past. But we are a people that is knit together for his works, works that he prepared for us in eternity past, that by the finished work of Jesus Christ, we could do those works even now within his people and for his glory and for your good. And to that end, we turn today. So first, let's ask God's guarding of our heart and the guidance of, on the preaching of his word. Father, we are truly a blessed people to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit, to be united by the Holy Spirit because of the blood of Jesus Christ, that we have a sure and eternal hope because of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the head into which we are all built. And so, God, we beg and plead that you would guard the preaching, guard our hearts and minds, that you would be glorified, that this church would be built up to be the people you would have us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> We're going to be looking at Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. I'm going to go ahead and read that first for you, and then we're going to jump around in it. Paul writes, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. The first thing we're going to glean from this today is that God builds his church as he sees fit. Now, as we discuss the church, it's important that we understand that, yes, there is the church universal. Jesus Christ told Peter, he said, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Not my churches, my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so some people will go, oh, okay, there's just the universal church, and we're all kind of the same. But Paul writes to the Galatians, the letter to the Galatians, he writes it to the churches of Galatia. And in Romans, he writes to Prisca and Aquila, and he says, greet the church in their house. He also speaks of the church that is in a woman's house named Nympha in Colossians chapter 4, in verse 15. And he speaks also to the church that is in Philemon's house in Philemon 
verse 2. So within God's word, we do understand that there is the universal church, one church. Up when we get to heaven, it's going to be one mass of saints. It's not going to be the first Baptist people over here and the Wichita Falls Baptist people and the Grace people over here. Okay, It's going to be one unity. As you do a study of the church within the Word of God, we see the church referred to as the Bride of Christ. You see that picture in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 to 28. Where Paul exhorts husbands, he says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. God desires to create a people that is holy and pure. Paul writes to Titus in chapter 2 and verse 14, a people holy and pure who gave himself for us, Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. A people to give him due praise and glory, a people with whom he may share his glory. Jeremy preached on the purpose of the church to glorify God as we went into our anniversary season just last month. I preached about the church's responsibility to go out and seek the lost. Keith Stone preached about the growth of the redeemed within the church and to that we look here today. We're going to look in greater detail that this church, this local church, this universal church is like a jigsaw puzzle. Pieces of different color all fit together with different purposes for God's good purpose and plan. Let's look in verses 4 through 5 of Romans 12 here. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. E pluribus unum, from many, one. Look around here at the people. It's easier in the back row. Sitting here, you know, it's different. We've got different people. We have different ages. We have different sizes. We have men and women. But Paul declares the assembly of the body is one. We are one body in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are a unit and we are an organism. He expands this in, Rome, or in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Invite you to turn there. He uses this imagery of a body, both in Romans and in 1 Corinthians. And with regard to the body, you cannot all be the same thing. 
you cannot all be an ear. For if you were all an ear, where would the seeing be? If everybody were an eye, where would the hearing be? That is his advocacy to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14 through 18. The body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. I cannot say simply because I'm an ear and I can't see, I'm useless. Each one is different. I don't diminish myself because I am what I am. At the same time, I don't diminish others because they are what they are. (laughs) You're just a nose. No, I need the nose. I need the eyes to see. I need the feet to move and walk. Paul's argument in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 is that we are many, but we are one, and we must function together even with our differences and especially because of our differences. Our differences are a blessing. In verses 4 and 5 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writes, Now there are are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. Verse 11 highlights that all of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. So this giftedness is not what I think it is by God's design. God has composed the body, verses 24, so that there may be no division. Where does my ear begin and my jaw, or my ear end and my jaw begin? It is a unit knit together by the living God. It is for the common good. Paul writes to the Romans, go back to Romans chapter 12, that we are members of one another. In verse 5, when we become saved when we become a believer in the lord jesus christ we do not lose our identity you remain a unique person you are created in god's image and god has imbued and gifted each one plowed into each one a spiritual gift for his glory and the building up of the body. To that end then, I am not for myself. I am for you. And you are for me. I am yours, and you are mine in the body. I need you. God has assembled the body, it says, as he sees fit for his purpose. So let's look at how God gifts each one uniquely for the functioning and the building up of the church. 
Paul starts out this section in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. He says, For the, by, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you. Paul was given grace from God to convey to us the truth. He did not lord his apostleship over any. He considered himself in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 9 the least of the apostles and even unworthy to be called an apostle. He considered himself in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 8 the least of the saints. And in 1 Timothy 1.15, he was the chief of sinners. Paul the Apostle, by the grace given to him, he brings to us this truth. He calls us to that same humility. By the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. He calls us to humility. Well, what might puff, puff us up? The thing that will puff us up is comparison. You know, uh, young men growing up, when they get taller than their mom, you know, they're comparing. When they get taller than their dad, they're comparing. Like, oh yeah, hey. We're comparing people. And within the church, that might puff us up. And Paul says, uh-uh. He calls us to sober judgment. Don't compare yourself with others. Well, I have this ministry, you have that. Don't compare by position in the church. You know, how important are the toes in the body to the eyes? You go, well, you know, seeing which do you want? Well, I'd like them both because they both serve a purpose in our body, so too in the church. And he calls the church to humility. Before he gets into spiritual gifts, he goes, Think of where you stand before the living God. You are redeemed. You breathe by His grace. You were saved by His grace. You are gifted by His grace. Now this call to sober thinking is not a, you know, a false flagellation. Oh, I'm terrible. Paul's not sitting there going, oh, I'm the chief of sinners, I'm the worst guy in the world. He's he understands that we are saints. Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called the children of God. Boom. Man, that's extraordinary. But that is by His grace. Again, I don't even lord my child, my my childhood in the family over any i can't we see that with this humility that god has gifted each one verse three we are to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that god has assigned 
You have faith. Where's that faith come from? It comes from the living God. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, so that no one can boast. Even this faith is from God. So the faith that is given to you, how much? Doesn't matter. Some were given five talents, some were given two, some were given one. What does God want you to do with that talent? Well, I only got two. No, use it. Don't go, man, I wish I had five. Or the guy who's got five going, man, I wish I only had two. God has given you a measure of faith. Use it. We are to be faithful with what we've got. So, as I look at how God has gifted me, as you look at how God has gifted you, where he has put you in the church, I have to look at this through eyes of faith. Do I trust God's wisdom? You made me this way. Do I trust his purposes? And then I move in faith. He has given each a different measure of faith and he has given each different gifts based on grace. Jump down to verse 6 of Romans 12. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. In the parable of the talents, those that used the gifts were commended in exactly the same way by Jesus Christ. The guy who had five made five more. The guy who had two, he only made two more. And the commendation they both received was, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I don't care what you're doing. It's just a little in the scheme of all that God is doing. God's only going to give you a little. Even if you have great faith, he's going to give you a responsibility for a little. He says, you have been faithful over a little. I will set you now over much because you have been faithful with that. And then he says, enter into the joy of your master. According to the grace given to us, let us use those gifts. So you go, great. How do I discern what my gifts are? You know, I don't know. We've started to see here in these, in these two passages in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 kind of a hinting at gifts. Okay, we say it, it's, it's a thing. Great. I do know that if we're members of one another, then that gifting is for others. That gifting is for the building up of the church. I am not gifted for me. I'm gifted for you. I'm gifted for the church. It's not for me. It's not about me. 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 7, each was given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good that we might care for one another. Ephesians chapter 4 reads, to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith 
and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Our our giftedness is for the building up of the body. Okay, all right, great. Is there a test I can take to figure out what my spiritual gifts are? Yeah, you can probably go online and there are things, you know. Are, you know, are you... It's like finding out what your personality traits are. You know, you can take a test and it might point to your gifts. There is not a place in Scripture where I can go to and go, here are all the spiritual gifts. And I think that's for a reason. Where I don't have to go, well... Which one am I? I would go so far as to say that God's word does not even speak of all the ways that he might gift a believer for his purposes in the church. Those who were first spiritually gifted in the Bible were spiritually gifted to do what? Make things. Artists. In the Old Testament, the first, the first example of spiritual gifts that we see is in Deuteronomy chapter 31. Two guys named Bezalel and Oholiab. They were gifted for the making of the tabernacle. God gave them special skills to be able to work metal and wood and yarns and, and all kinds of things to build the glories of the tabernacle. And it also says, I have given all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you. What we see is when God wants a work done, he is going to empower people to do that. God is building his church and he is and has empowered people to do that. In 1 Corinthians 12, the gifts that are listed in that chapter, gift of wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, tongues, interpretation of tongues, the gift of prophecy, the gift of apostleship, the gift of teaching. If you were to read the spiritual gifts listed in Ephesians chapter 4, you would see similar ones there and added to that, we have the gift of the evangelist and the gift of shepherds. In Romans 12 here, let's look at the gifts that he lists. These are for the work in the church. If prophecy... Let us use that gift in proportion to our faith. We could get into a long discussion. What is the gift of prophecy? I do not believe it is only foretelling. I believe, based on what Scripture highlights in other places, that there is also a discernment within the gift of prophecy. An ability to discern the way things really are based on on what is going on in the world. But he says, if you have this gifting, use it in proportion to your faith. 
service, the gift of service. What is serving? It's serving. These lights. Mention the, this example often. Roy Catula. Probably call this Catula Hall, just in honor of his work here. These lights are by Roy Catula's hand. If you met Roy Catula, you might miss him. If he were in the room, you might not even know he was there. He is a meek and humble man in the church. And he has a servant's heart. He wants to do work, but he doesn't want to be seen. You know, he's like a spleen. You know, you don't see the spleen. Thank, I'm thankful I have a spleen. Pancreas, don't, you know, liver. You don't see these things. But they serve a vital purpose. Roy Catula is that kind of guy. If you have that gift, Paul says use that gift. Use it in serving. Teaching. If you have the gift of teaching, use that spiritual gift. How? In your teaching. The one who exhorts. Oh, there's another gift. To encourage somebody. How do you like receiving exhortation? Do you like somebody encouraging you? Do you like hearing somebody say, hey man, what you did was really good. I really appreciate your work in the unit. I appreciate you teaching volleyball for year upon year upon year and to do it with joy and to really help the kids. You know, what kind of... Oh, it's like, oh, thank you. Whoa, to hear that, what a cup of water. For a pastor to hear that the congregation is praying for him. During seasons fat and seasons lean. That I appreciate your toils. The gift of exhortation. What a gift. It is a gift. Some people have that gift. I mean, that's, I mean you just want to be around them because they, they like fire your engines. Contribution. Some people like to give. Some people are givers. Some people are givers and they have nothing to give, but they keep giving. The woman only had two mites. She gave it all. Really? Be interesting to know what God gave her for her faithfulness. The one who contributes, use that gift in generosity. The one who leads, do it with zeal. Oh, come on. Yeah, I don't want to follow that guy. Follow Eeyore. No. I want to follow the guy who's charging. Let's go. Let's do this. Lead with zeal in the power of the Holy Spirit. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Oh, man. Nursing homes, hospitals. I spent a m- three weeks in a hospital back in March helping my brother. And, man, some of the RNs there. What a blessing. But you go, most of these things, like, I'm supposed to do a lot of these things anyway. You know, am I not supposed to show mercy to people? Yeah. Yeah, you are. Um, I can't not be merciful because I go, ah, oh, it's not my spiritual gift. Parents, do you have to teach your kids? Well, I don't have the gift of teaching. So it's okay. 
You don't have to teach your kids anymore. No, of course not. But the spiritual gifts that we see in God's word are a unique and special enabling to build his church for his glory. Some characteristics of this. Is it a natural ability? Bezalel and Oholiab, I would say, were already probably master craftsmen. Okay, some guys know how to work metal. How is that? It was a gifting of God that they were that way. Do you like doing something? Do you have an innate ability to do something that some of us don't have? That may be a spiritual gifting. Do you have not only an innate affinity, or excuse me, ability for it, but you may have an innate affinity? I like doing this. Okay, so maybe you aren't the best guy with tools, but you really like tinkering. That may be a giftedness. I'm not good in ability or affinity with tools. Another characteristic that you might see within spiritual giftedness is that it is recognized in you by other people. Exhortation, for example. Man, I really appreciate that word of encouragement. Whoa. I, I mean, it just came out of my mouth naturally. It was the natural thing for me to say or do. And somebody goes, man, I really appreciated that. Oh. Or you have an opportunity to teach a lesson and somebody goes, man, that really just filled my heart. And you're thinking to yourself, man, I struggled through that whole thing. So how are you going to know? Well, with all things in the Christian life, I would encourage you to begin with prayer. Pray. And I don't mean that just generically or esoterically. Pray specifically. Pray with thanksgiving. God, you have gifted me. I know you've gifted me because it says you did. You've gifted each one in the body. So you have. I may not recognize what it is yet. But I know you have. And so thanksgiving should come out of your heart. Pray, God, I want to use what you have given me for your glory in the church. Help me be a blessing to others if you, as you have been a blessing to me through the giftedness of others. And then God, specifically, help me to see what that giftedness is. Then try. Try. He exhorts us, having these gifts, let us use them. Well, I don't know what it is. Well, if you don't get off the bench, you're never going to get in the game. Isaiah had a vision. He was in the throne of God. He heard a voice, heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I can imagine in the modern Christian church, everybody be looking around going, You going to go? You know what? No, Isaiah wasn't that way. He said, here am I, send me. There's a need, I'll fill it. Here I am, send me. He didn't look around, he didn't wait. You know, he was the only guy there. But he was eager. Jump in the pool. Stand in the gap. Fill a current need. Ants, now, you, you may go, okay, there's a need in the church, but you may have 
been nagged by the living God in your heart and mind to do a thing. God's putting something on your heart. You're going, don't want to. Do it. Get up and do it. Try. Try. Pray. Try. Listen. Listen to your body. Listen to your own body. Did you enjoy that ministry after you tried it? Did you go, well, that's pretty cool. Did you feel like you were in place in that ministry or out of place? (laughs) Yeah, it's just not my thing. But I'm going to continue because there's a need in it. I may not be gifted. I still have to be merciful to my family. I still have to train up my kids. So there's a need. And so sometimes I just fill the need. But one of the ways I know that I'm gifted is I listen to my own body. And then I listen to the body. I listen to you guys. Were the saints blessed by what you did? Sometimes you can see it. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you will hear it. Remember, too, that when you are ministering in the body, you are part of the body. So you may be blessed. Okay, you may be the one who was blessed by it. If you were really blessed by it, man, I really got a lot out of that then you may be spiritually gifted in that area. Listen to your body. Listen to the body. Listen to Christ, the head of the body. After all is said and done, pray before God and meditate on what He did in you and for you. With regard to spiritual giftedness, if you believe you are spiritually gifted in that area, continue to grow in that area. Paul exhorted Timothy to fan that gift into flames. You know, work at it. And even exhorts them to improve that gift, to work at it. In 2 Timothy 1.6, fan it into flames. In 1 Timothy 4.14, he says, to improve upon that gift. To continue to work to make that gift better. Don't just idle in your gift. Go, I got this tool. Keep it sharp. 1 Corinthians kind of gives us a hint that we are to seek other gifts. At the end of 1 Corinthians 12, it says, earnestly desire the higher gifts. Earnestly desire the higher gifts. And you may think, well, okay, there's some really good gifts. I I want the really good gifts. That's not what he's talking about. Because he then goes on to say, I'm going to show you a more excellent way, and that is through love. Love. I want you to minister your gifts in love. If you are spiritually gifted and you're going, man, this is great. I love doing this. I love being a part of the body. I love working in the body. I love bringing God glory in the body. And you want more, ask for more. If you're using it, ask for more. Let me encourage you, though. You know, I said listen to the body and all that. Don't base your spiritual giftedness on results. I'm going to have a men's Bible study. And only three guys showed up. I must not be spiritually gifted. I'm not going to do it anymore. No. Does not God want three men to hear the word of God? Taught well? 
Does it mean because we're a small church we should have crummy pastors? I hope not. Will God see fit to bring great pastors here, you know, decade after decade for 25 years to this little corner of Eighth and Travis? Yes. He does. It's not the size of the field. It's that are you faithful in that field? So if you have three or 30 or 300, praise God. The increase, the size is his. He calls you to be faithful with the talents he has given you. So what can you do here at WFBC? Okay. You know, well, we're just a small church. Open your eyes. It's not our size. We can have a mission that reaches the masses the millions out of this little place. We can have a ministry that reaches five. Don't look at the size. So right now, what do we need? We need somebody who wants to be a treasurer. We need, and I'm, I, I, I'm not doing this sermon to go, oh, okay, we need these things, I want you to fill them up. These are just things that, you know, you go, ooh, that's interesting, I'd like to try that. Or maybe I will stand in the gap. That's, that's great. So this is not a pressure cell, please. <laughs> Treasurer. Yeah. Nursery workers. Yes, there are still slots open for nursery workers. Sunday school teachers. You want to be a Sunday school teacher? Yep, you can. You can. Cleaning. Service. That's service. I delight to clean toilets. Great. You can clean the church. You can help to clean. You're not gonna have, we're not going to go, oh, he can do it every Sunday. No, every Saturday. Contribution. You know, if you have the gift of contribution, great. There are interpersonal needs. There is always a need for exhortation. There's always a need for mercy. There's a need to plow into the lives of other people to meet with other people, to go, how are you doing? We are a body. I have to know if there is a pain that needs to be addressed before it ruptures and kills us. There are gifts that go out from the church to bring people in. The evangelist. There are people who go out and serve in other ministries in the community at the Pregnancy Help Center. But those saints are built up and exhorted here in this place. There are some gifts that require greater preparation. To, to be a preacher, to be a teacher of adults, to be a counselor, to be a missionary, to be a deacon. all that we might bring glory to God and be salt and light to a dying world. Paul has explained to us how the saint should interact with the lost of the world and how the saint should conduct and comport themselves with regard to the government. But before that, before both of those, he talks about how we are to work together and that God has gifted each one. God has gifted each one 
by His power. Yes, you are a broken vessel that God might display His glory in you in the ministry in the church. He has uniquely created you and uniquely gifted you for that very purpose. He has placed you in this body at such a time as this. Charles Spurgeon, as he looked at the church, he said, the church is not formed to be a social club, to produce society for itself, not to be a political association, to be a power in politics, not even to be a religious confederacy promoting its own opinions. The church is a body created of the Lord to answer His own ends and purposes and it exists for nothing else. If you would like to talk more about spiritual gifts and giftedness, please grab Jeremy or myself and let's talk. We do not want any paralyzed with fear or uncertainty about, oh, maybe I'm doing this wrong. or We're, we're, we're all just winging this life that God has given us, guided by His Word and the Holy Spirit. We desire that all would grow in Christ, and a great part of that is growing in the body and in the church. So let us use our gifts for God's joy and delight and for one another. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your intent and your purpose. We thank you for how you have assembled this body, each one, that we might bring you glory at this time and in this place. So Father, even now, I, I beg on behalf of each one who is here, help us to understand how you have gifted us and help us to use those gifts that we might one day hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. All for your glory. Father, forgive us for the ways in the past where we have not used our gift, where we have been paralyzed by fear, where we have been paralyzed with pride. Help us to put that off and turn even now to you that we would be healed and your church built up. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.